Welcome to Jersey Arts, the podcast. I'm Susan Wallner. Today, in a special back-to-school edition, I'm talking to Bob Morrison. He's the co-founder of Quadrant Arts Education Research, based here in New Jersey, but his influence in the field of arts education is national. In 2004, Bob Morrison published a report about the decline of music and arts education in California schools that led to a nearly $1 billion increase in that state's funding. He was the founder of Music for All and VH1's Save the Music Foundation. Here in New Jersey, he was the managing partner for the groundbreaking New Jersey Arts Education Census Project, released in 2007. A new census will be taken in 2011, providing valuable insights into the progress or decline of arts education in our public schools. Bob, I touched on a few of your projects, but could you tell me how you got into this field? Was it through business or the arts? It was actually through business. Uh, Back in the late 80s, early 90s, I was an executive uh, with the Pearl Corporation, which was uh, an instrument manufacturer that did business both in the, the commercial music side as well as the education side of music. And it it became clear to me at that point in time when we were trying to do an analysis about what the size of the market was, how many kids were involved in music programs, how many schools had music programs, that the information just was unavailable. Nobody was gathering that kind of information to help us quantify, you know, what was happening in in the marketplace. And in addition to that, that then led me to believe that no one was quantifying how many kids were involved in programs, or more importantly, how many kids were denied access to programs because they weren't in their school. And that was really the big um, uh, catalyst that put me on a pathway of discovery to try to figure out what is happening with music programs, eventually expanding that to trying to quantify and define what's happening with arts education programs in our schools here in the United States. Why is this sort of like statistical, data-driven analysis important? Well, it's like anything else. You know, in order to get to where you want to go, you have to know where you are. And when it comes to arts education, when we ask the question, where are we, nobody knows. Nobody can tell you how many kids are involved in arts programs or how many kids are not, how many schools have programs, how many don't. They can't tell you whether we're seeing an increase in programs year over year or a decrease because historically that data hasn't been gathered and is unavailable. So when you hear policymakers talk about the fact that they want uh, arts education for every child, I say, great. So do I. But we won't know whether we get there or not unless we get serious about the business of counting where we are today so we can build a pathway to where we want to go, which is an arts education for every child. So when the arts are in danger of being cut, for instance, in school districts with tight budgets, what is the best advocacy tactic that parents and teachers can take? I think it centers around uh, the the value that the arts bring to education, the, the intrinsic value that they bring in a society today that is talking about you know creativity, imagination, uh, and innovation. Those are the things that they that the people are talking about today. Uh, there was recently a, uh, uh, a a business report that came out of Fortune 500 business leaders talking about the the biggest thing that they are lacking. In, in executives, employees that they see today is creativity and innovation. And if they're lacking that at that level, 
we need to be looking at what we're doing as a society, what are we doing in our education system to help develop you know, creative capacities. And certainly one of the great ways to develop creative capacity is through the arts. The arts aren't the only way, but they are certainly a very important way to help uh, inspire our students to look at and think of things in different and creative and innovative ways, the kind of skills that our businesses are demanding to be competitive uh, in the future. So that's the, the argument that I make. It's not just about, uh, well, we, we can't afford to, to have the arts, so we're going to cut them out. You know, the, the impact of cutting the arts out of a, a public school is similar to the impact that you would have by cutting history out of the school, uh, by cutting philosophy out of the school, by cutting uh, even mathematics out of the school. We ha Someone could say, I have a calculator. What do I, I've got a, a spreadsheet program. What do I need to take a math class for? Well, we know that there's important educational reasons for them to be able to do that. They're the same important educational reasons for the arts. The arts aren't more important than any of the, the other subject areas, core subjects uh, in our schools, but they are certainly not less important either. Do you find it ironic that countries like I've heard of China and maybe Korea are now looking to infuse their education with more creativity and more arts, whereas we're kind of going, you know, we're still fighting to hold on to what we have? Oh, absolutely. And I think that it, it is um, an extraordinary contrast. Uh, the United States, in, in its move toward, you know, rote memorization, standardized testing, ha has moved away uh, in many ways from, from some of the things that the other countries are moving towards. In countries like China, which were all about rote memorization and standardized testing, they recognize that that's not the pathway to give them the kind of citizens that they need to compete in the global economy and to be able to compete, compete on ideas and innovation. So they've gone the, the other direction, and right now China is in the process of implementing the, the most ambitious assessment of arts education in their education system of any developed country in the world because they understand the role that the arts play on unleashing the creative capacity of their citizens. Somewhere along the line in our education system, we have forgotten that. And so now you have China, you have Singapore, you have India, you have places like Finland and other areas of the country that, that are embracing the impact of the arts in creating the well-rounded, educated society that they need. And our country is running the exact opposite direction. So the bigger question is, who's right? Well, <laughs> who is right? Who is right? Uh, my, uh, I, would, I would argue that, uh, that our competitors globally have the right idea. And that right now, the pathway that we're on about rote memorization and standardized testing uh, is the wrong pathway. We will have the best test takers in the world, but we will not be able to create our way out of a wet paper bag. Can we trust the policymakers, the ones that are in power now, to support arts education? Is it a good time or a bad time? I think it's a uh, transitional time. Um, I think that we are uh, slowly, the pendulum is swinging away from uh, the era of no child left behind, of reading and math standardized testing. It's not to say that accountability uh, shouldn't be important. Accountability for the success of our students in our schools is important and should be there. 
But the accountability needs to be on a broader range of merits and not just on reading and math. There needs to be accountability for our students' success across the board in, in other uh, areas, including the arts. And I think that's where historically we've fallen short with No Child Left Behind. We're saying it's all important, but we're only going to measure on these two. And therefore, everyone's going to focus all of their energy and effort on reading and math. And since we're not holding them accountable for the other areas, they throw them out with the, with the bathwater. Uh, now what we're seeing, though, is a recognition that that was a move too far and that we need to have accountability on a broader range of merits. And that's not to say that we need testing in the arts, but there does need to be accountability in the arts to ensure that there are qualified teachers in place to provide the instruction, that there's time in the school day for the courses to take place, and that we're actually allowing our students to enroll in these courses. That shows us that conditions are right for arts learning to take place. Where conditions are right are not right for arts learning to take place, there needs to be accountability for that. And that should be included in uh, any sort of long-range accountability system for the United States. But the other reason why I think the, the, the pendulum is swinging is the things we talked about earlier. Uh, imagination, creativity, and innovation. Those three things are what is driving uh, the 21st century economy and will be leading us for at least the next hundred years. And the idea that our education system needs to recognize that and then be designed to help spur that along, I think benefits the arts. Um, I like to talk about it in terms of historically the arts community has had to play a series of away games. We had to justify graduation rates or our impact on increasing test scores or uh, you know, school attendance rates or, or those type of things. Those are away games. Those are things that are not inherent to the arts. When you start talking about imagination, creativity, and innovation, those are inherent in the arts. So the, the pendulum is swinging into innovation, creativity, and imagination. That is the domain of the arts. So I think that it's actually moving more in our direction. Unfortunately, some of the conversations that we hear around STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math, STEM programs, they talk about creativity, but they've they have failed to recognize the importance of the arts in that creative environment. So a lot of places are, are saying we need to be talking about STEAM, not STEM. You know, add the A to the acronym so that there's a broader understanding that, you know, the arts play a critical role in the development of uh, creative skills of our students across all domains. So how does New Jersey stack up against the rest of the country? Well, I think, you know, from... The, the time when we released the, the census report in 2007, you know, I, we talked about it as, as being, you know, the glass is half empty, the glass is half full. There's some really good things that New Jersey has in place, some of the best policies in the country, if not the best policies in the country as it re relates to the core curricular content standards, the expectations that have been established by the state board for all students to have access to all four arts disciplines and then in high school develop mastery within one, the graduation requirement that we have in place, the standards are uh, very cutting edge, very robust, very forward looking. Uh, so from that standpoint, you know, there's a lot to build on. Uh, but because there hasn't been the same kind of accountability, no one's really been checking. Are our schools actually doing what the state has said we want you to be doing? Uh, that lack of accountability has led to really uneven 
uh, implementation of the arts in this state. You have some schools where everything's going phenomenally well. Uh, you have other schools where We've got several schools in the state where there's nothing, where, where the kids, just by where they happen to live, are attending a school that doesn't have arts programming. And, and those students are then denied the benefits that the arts provide to them for their educational future. Um, so I think it's, there's, it's a good news, bad news. It's some really good things from a policy standpoint and even from an implementation standpoint. But we've got some gaps. Uh, when we did the census, there was 77,000 students that attend school every day that don't have access to the arts. And some people would say, wow, that's not a really big number. But if you're one of those 77,000 students, it's a big number to you. So, you know, closing that gap so that all students receive the benefits is, is clearly a priority that we have to address here in this state. And we also have to understand what impact uh, the current economic crisis has created. Uh, we've heard a lot about teachers being laid off. We've heard a lot about programs being reduced or eliminated. Um, we need to go out in the field and find out exactly what's happening. You know, are, you know, are we better off than, than we were when we released the report in 2007, or have we maybe slid backwards? And you know, a case could be made either way, but the only way to know is to actually go out there and, and do the research to find out where we actually stand. And you'll be doing that with the 2011 census. And what are some of the things, specific things you're going to be looking at? Anything different? Um, you know, we're going to refine it a little bit. I don't know that we're going to look at, at a lot different. We're going to spend some time really understanding what's happening with our charter schools and how they're approaching arts education and what are the uh, what are their success stories and what are their barriers and is there an opportunity for innovation you know, in the charter school model as it relates to the arts. But we're also going to look at how are we doing with the school uh, access to programs with teachers, with the number of students that are involved. You know, have, it's the first time that we're going to have longitudinal data, that we've got a snapshot, you know, from, from 2005, 2006. We're going to have a snapshot from 2010, 2011. We're going to be able to look backwards and go, how are we doing? Have we made improvements or have we slid backwards? And that's going to be really important information because no one's had that kind of longitudinal data uh, to base educational decisions on. And, and that's really the point is, um, you know, with a, a friend of mine would always like to say, without data, you're just another person with an opinion. And the whole idea here is that if we're going to set policies and goals for our students and for our schools, let's do it based on the facts and not do it on emotion or what we think might be happening or what we believe. Uh, we really need to know what is. And once we know what is, then we can determine what, where we want to be and develop that pathway forward. So that's where the, this, the upcoming census will really help us because it will tell us for the first time, are we moving forward? or backward, and based on that information, what do we need to do to address whatever those findings happen to be? On a different note, I was wondering whether in your travels you've seen much of a, a renewed interest in chorus and music because of the Glee program. This is something I keep seeing, the Glee effect. Have you seen that? Yes. I, you know, there's, there's been different effects that have occurred in, in music education over the years. There's the, the Mozart effects that people talk about often and, and largely the, the misreported Mozart effect. Um, but the Glee has had an impact without question. 
there is a renewed focus, energy, enthusiasm uh, for choir programs, for chorus programs, for uh, the, the, the glee clubs, either in school or as an extracurricular after-school uh, activity. Uh, when you have uh, the producer of the show stand up to get his Emmy Award and talk about um, the impact of his arts teacher on his development and that the show is as much a testament to the importance and value of arts education. You, it's, it's tremendous impact both on talking about the benefits of, of these programs but also sharing you know, those really intimate stories about what goes on behind the scenes and what it takes in a, in a very uh, in, engaging way. So I think that it's had a uh, tremendous impact. I'm, I'm a, a, a big supporter uh, and I take my hat off to them for having, you know, not only for having that as a personal motivation for the establishment of the show, but also having the courage to step forward and say, this is what motivated me. I'm proud of it. I'm proud of what these teachers gave to me. And this is my way to try to give something back. Fabulous. That's great. Well, I want to thank you, um, Bob, for giving us an update on arts education. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm Susan Molnar for Jersey Arts the Podcast. Thanks for listening. Jersey Arts the Podcast is a production of State of the Arts, NJN Public Television's award-winning arts program. Watch it on NJN1 and NJN2. Check airtimes at njn.net or watch individual stories online anytime. The New Jersey State Council on the Arts is proud to co-produce State of the Arts. The New Jersey State Council on the Arts, encouraging excellence in the arts since 1966. Additional support was provided by the Geraldine R. Dodge Foundation, supporting cultural, educational, and environmental initiatives that make our world more livable.